Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the episode of Politically Entertaining. I'm Frank here with Byron, and we're so glad you could join us tonight. Um, as always, subscribe to the podcast. We're on iTunes, Podbean, all the major podcast platforms. Uh, it's been a while since we've um, kind of done an episode, so you know, Byron, let the listeners know why they should still be subscribed to Politically Entertaining. First off, wow. Like, I'm sure people who are subscribed to us is like, like had to do a double take. Is this a new episode? Like it's been, as you said, man, it's been a minute for us. Uh, the reason they should be tuned in to us because politics isn't something that everybody likes to follow closely until the major elections. And what Frank and I try to do is just try to give you, you know, some things you should be look- looking out for or things you may have heard, but don't know too much about it. We do our best to try to break it down and just kind of let you know what's going on. So when it is time to make that decision at the ballot box, you got a good idea of what's going on without a lot of the spin that you may get on like cable news or whatnot. So uh, make sure you subscribe to us, all major podcast platforms. Tune in to us. We never know how frequently we're going to do this, but hey, we're here now. So just enjoy us. Uh, since we've been last here, our last episode was with, um, I believe it was a Sheena, Sheena Jones of Cheddar yes. News. Yeah. Yep. So, yep. uh, that was, that was a great episode. Make sure you go back and listen to it. Even though it was old, it's still some, some, some timely stuff on that. So what, what, first off, man, what's been going on with you, man, since we last been on here? Man, since, I mean, it's been, it's been a minute. Um, I would say things, just noteworthy things for me. And my wife, we celebrated our 10th anniversary in August. I know it's in December now we're doing this, but it was in August. It was this year. Congratulations. Separate 10, separate 10 years. Yep. Thank you. And um, we went to Singapore. So that was uh, really, really cool. Um, long flight, but we, we've been to some <laughs> other places that are pretty far. So we were kind of used to that. So it was it was nice, though. Just, you know, we got a chance to walk around. Uh, that that it's so Singapore is interesting. It's a city country state, so it's like it's its own country. It's a state and it's a city, so it's like one thing. Um, it's it's an island, um, and it was interesting about it is everything is built up because they don't have that much room. It's kind of I think I think I think it's like seventeen by twenty seven. I could be misremembering that, but um, I think it's seven, and so everything is kind of built up into the sky because they don't have a whole lot of room. Um, the thing that really stood out to me, uh, just to kind of keep it brief, was is is very techno technologically advanced city, but the people who live there really don't. They're they're kind of live in in poor conditions. Like the the wealth the, the wealth divide exists just like everywhere else. Like um, I know people have seen the movie Crazy Rich Asians, and um, it was filmed in some parts of of uh, Singapore, but. That's not the reality for most people in Singapore. They live in public housing. Um, they get subsidies from the government. Um, and it's just like they're, I wouldn't say they're unhappy because you gotta understand they're they they also have a culture that descends from like Chinese culture. So they are it's not quite like you know, People's Republic of China, but it's they have a lot of people from China that live there. So it's more free than that. So it feels a certain way. It wouldn't feel the same way for America. There's a lot of like fines, like they have a lot of cameras. They will find you for like jaywalking. Like they'll put you in jail if you can't pay, you can't give tours without a license. There's a lot of, you know, very much like restrictions, um, you know, to kind of doing like things that you don't take for, you kind of take for granted. Like there's, and they don't allow chewing gum. 
Last thing, there's no wow. chewing gum allowed in Singapore. If you get caught with gum, you can get fined or imprisoned for having gum. So it's um, definitely, uh, but but on the positive side, it's it's a really you know beautiful place. It's tropical weather because near the equator, and it was just you know seeing you know that culture, seeing you know learning their story. You know, Singapore is a completely independent nation, so it's not like us. It's not like a Taiwan or something or Hong Kong. It's like it's its own nation, and they got their independence from Great Britain after Japan had invaded them uh, in World War II. And then when they got free, they kind of negotiated their freedom. Uh, and so they've been free since 1965, I want to say. Um, they just had like their 58th, I think that's doing the math right, or maybe I'm not doing the math right. But anyway, they're, they're about 50, I think 58 years old as a nation. Um, don't at me if I'm wrong on that, but, they, but they're but they a younger nation, so to speak. So it's pretty cool just um, experiencing that, learning about that culture and just celebrating with my wife, you know, it was, it was good. You guys, man, you guys travel, like some people travel, but you guys travel, man. That's, that's, that's dope. Um, for me, I'm, I'm looking, man. So I think we were last on November, 2021. I'm not going to even try to remember what happened in 2022, but what I will say is uh, for my 2023 to sum it up, uh, I think appreciation is like a great word for me when it comes to this year, man. It's been it's been some highs and lows, but I have just really, really like appreciated what I've been able to do and just uh, participate in. Like I'm a huge boxing fan. Me and some of my friends were able to go to arguably the biggest uh, fight uh, in a long time in boxing in Vegas back in July. It turned out to be very one-sided, but just the event in itself and just to have friends that don't follow as much as I do, but were so into the event, it was just, it was like very dope for me. I finally, after being a Florida State fan for all these years, and we're going to talk about this more a little later, I finally saw them uh, in an ACC championship last week in um, Charlotte and uh, just everything else, man, uh, went to New Orleans and saw my Miami Heat. Went to Mobile a couple of times, one for a fun time, another time for a, de a close death in the family. My uncle passed away, who was a bit of a legend in Mobile, uh, coach at Peters Park, uh, touched a lot of uh, kids' lives in, in the city of Mobile, plus his educational work at uh, Faulkner and other places. So uh, went down there to pay my last respects. And I was so grateful. I remember, so I went home in February and I remember telling my wife, cause I had heard he wasn't doing too well. So I was like, I have to, like you always want to, when you live away from your hometown, whenever you go, you have a limited amount of time to try to see as many people as you can. And I remember saying, I have to see my uncle Herschel because I don't know if I'll get another chance. So I saw him that February and exactly six months later, he passed away in August and we went down there again for that. So it's just been overall, man, just been a, a, a great year. And like I say, I just appreciate everything I have. I pray for more and I'm just thankful for everything I've been able to do, man. So very, very, very appreciative in 2023. I wish I could remember what all I did in 2022, but uh, it's been a, it's been a great year thus far, man. So 
that's that's all I got as far as catching up, man. Uh, you got anything else or you want to jump into a couple of topics? And let's let one last thing: Singapore noodles didn't didn't are not had nothing to do with Singapore. That's the last thing Malia would <laughs> learn that as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Listening to Politically Entertaining, your Cliff's Notes to American Politics. And now, your host, Frank and Byron. So, it's been some days now since this took place. But on Sunday, this past Sunday, the college football playoff picked their four teams to compete for the national championship. And by now, you all know it's Washington, it's uh, Michigan, Alabama, and Texas. And, of course, as I just said earlier, I'm a Florida State fan. Went undefeated. It's been a while since we had a good season. Last championship was in 2014. And pretty much the next year we went to the playoff, we lost in the first round. I think you're flipping the years. I think it was 2013 they They, won in 2014. I think the game was played in 2014, like, that January. Yeah, yeah, the game was played right, right. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, season. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. So it's been it's been pretty down since then. We had some terrible years. We even lost to uh Jacksonville State, I think, at one point a couple of seasons ago. So just to see them go undefeated was great. Conference champions. And you know, we thought, hey, we're a power five conference. We're undefeated. We're going to the playoffs. But a crazy thing happened. Um Alabama beat Georgia, who had a 29-game win streak. Texas did what they had to do in their conference. And Washington and Michigan, by most people's accounts, were a lock. And Florida State wound up getting left out. And so my boy Frank, he hit me up a couple of days later and was like, hey, man, seemed like the perfect time to get the show going. I know you got some stuff to get off your chest. And I did. I've I've let a lot of it off – during the immediate days after the picks were made. Uh, So I've kind of exhausted a lot of that, but here's what I'll say. And here's what I, and I'll let you jump in here, but here's what I didn't really think about when I first saw that Florida state was going to be left out. Cause obviously there was some hurt there, but I have to remember college football is a business. And what I mean by that is, you have to take into account because these games are not played in one team's hometown or home stadium. They're in neutral sites. You have to take into account whose fans are most likely to travel. SEC is football. Florida State is in the ACC, who is more known for basketball. That conference is more known for basketball, especially when Maryland was there uh, than it is for football. So, it's almost like you cannot have a postseason in college football without an SEC team. 
Texas is what Big Twelve, Big Ten, I believe one of them. Big Twelve is soon to be SEC next year. So. Yes, yes. You got uh, Washington. That's like uh, Pack. I don't know these conferences. Well, they're going to be in the Big Ten next year. Is all this movement? But yeah, Pac twelve. Pac twelve is dead as of this year. Yeah, and then you got Michigan. So, and if Florida State had been in, there would have been no SEC team. And you know, when you're looking at these matchups. For college football, they need a big-time program in there like Alabama. Alabama is about as big as it comes when it comes to college football. And that's something that I just really had to come to terms with. Not saying they didn't have a great case. I felt like we had just as a, a, a big case as they did. I know strength of schedule. I know injury. I've heard all that. Uh, but I think the big thing for me is – and they're going to 12 games next year, which I'm against. We can talk about that as well. But I think the big thing for me is we never got a clear-cut answer from the committee, even when this thing first started. Is it who deserves to go the most or who you think is the best? Because who deserves it isn't always who's the best, and who's the best isn't always who deserves. I still think Georgia is one of the best teams. They won 29 straight games. They lost by three points to Alabama. I don't I don't think they're five. They got them ranked at number six. I don't I'm not sure there are five teams that are better than Georgia. But that's that's just how it goes. So I think being clear on is it who deserves to go versus who's the best team is something that really needs to be taken care of and I think I said enough. I'm gonna let you weigh in on this, and uh, we'll 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 go from there. He was way too calm. I'm about to get you backfired up. <laughs> I'm about to, you know, I'm gonna come with you know. So, you know, I would just say this: I am a Miami Hurricane alumni, right? So I'm not trying to throw shade. I'm, but I went there. I'm a fan, all that. But I'm saying like. Florida State is our rival. Like that is the game. You know, the rivalry. We haven't been on the right side of it last several years, clearly, but um, I looked at it like I was really irritated, you know, um, because I know what it's like for my, for a team to get left out. If you go back all the way to 2000, let's go back to 2000, uh, the 2000, um, it was the Orange Bowl and we had actually beaten Florida State that year, but because of how <laughs> yeah. this, this is the old BCS yes. without, without human intervention. So there was somebody on the West Coast had who had ranked us behind um, somebody in the West Coast was didn't like Miami, had ranked us number six. So that brought our weighted score down and the BCS did not consider head to head. So a couple things I'm going to say about this. I'm going to make a point here. So what, what was interesting is under the old bowl system, which is not even the under the old BCS system. You used to have the Rose Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, the Orange Bowl, and the Fiesta Bowl. And so you could have the possibility of having a split national champion. So technically that year, even though Miami did not go to the Orange Bowl, which they should have to play Oklahoma, um, they could have had a split national championship if, say, Florida State had a close game against Oklahoma and then Miami, like, dominated Florida, which we did. We kicked, we whooped that ass. If you Gator fan, we whooped that ass. <laughs> I, don't, I don't generally cuss, but we y'all ain't really no rivaled us because y'all be ducking us on the schedule. So that was yeah, put us on the schedule. Um, it it's in state that should be a that, given. Well, they they don't want that. Yeah, and so we beat them up 
in the Sugar Bowl. And and then, you know, obviously the Snoop Menace saga happened and y'all bros lost 13-2. I'm like, what? Really? That's how it goes? So we ended up not getting that championship. So I was really, really mad. And then there's always the Fiesta Bowl robbery in the desert where they threw a pass interference after the guy had fallen down. Ohio State, I don't like y'all either. Um, and I would say this. I have a lot of respect for Florida State's program, more so because they are a mirror image of Miami from a standpoint of they try to get the best. They try to always, you know, assert a certain, you know, dominance when they play, a certain, I would say, swag. Some people call it arrogance, but that's generally like people that don't know what swag is. But there's a certain swag that is played with in, when, when it teams. And so that's part of, you know, the great rivalry that we have is that we know when they have it and we have it, that's going to be a game and it's going gonna, it's gonna to go either way. And so part of me, as much as Florida State is my enemy, it just really hurt me because I know how hard it is to be in a field. And I still know what it's like to be left out when you are deserving of a spot and you've done everything you're supposed to do. In Florida State's case, I would say it's even better than Miami's case. We, they, we lost the game, although we had beaten the team head-to-head, clearly. But what I'm saying is, I just think, and Joe Klatt said this, um, I listen to him sometimes on his podcast, and he was like, it's not a selection it's an invitation. He said, and that's where people got messed up. People thought it was a selection based on criteria, but at the end of the day, it became an invitation of who do we not want to piss off the most? Where is the least resistance if we leave a team out? So you think about it like in reverse order. Okay, if you leave, if you put Florida State in and Texas in, which is was my, I would, would have been my four, which would have been Michigan, Washington, Florida State three, and Texas at four, because you put all three undefeated and then you put the fourth, you know, one loss team. And Alabama misses out because they're a conference champion with an equivalent head-to-head loss against somebody with the same resume. But the issue with leaving Alabama out is, see, I'm going to give you another example, give you some more facts. So my wife went to Auburn. So I don't really have, I'm from, we're both from Alabama, as people know, listen to the show. If you don't know, we both went to LaFleur High School, class 99, still one of the best class, if not the best class ever. And um, I will say that in that, my wife graduated class 98. They was cool. No no shade there. My wife's in that class, so I ain't going to. But what I'm saying is this. She also experienced pain. In 2000, I think it was in 2004 or 2005, the Sugar Bowl had an undefeated Auburn team versus Virginia Tech. Yep. And then you had an uh, undefeated USC versus, uh, I think, Oklahoma in the either the Fiesta Bowl or the Rose Bowl or something like that. The USC beat down... Um, they beat they beat Oklahoma down. I think it was Oklahoma. I want to say it was. That was the Matt Lyon team that had like Reggie Bush and Fred Davis. And that was the year before they lost to Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they won the game like 55 to 19. But the point is, an SC, SEC, 20 years ago, an, an undefeated SEC team got left out of the BC at the time, which was the BCS National Championship game. My assertion and the reason why I would try to get you back fired up is because the only reason they did is because of Alabama. If it had been any other team, I'm telling you that if it had been Auburn at say, you know, 12 and one, they'd be like, ah, it's Auburn. Yeah. Hey, little brother, we leave him out. Oh, South Carolina. Ah. But the problem is they have the specter of Nick Saban. Cause it's like, I'll give you this scenario. Let's reverse it. Let's say Florida state 
had 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 one loss. Let's say he lost to Clemson earlier in the year, but they ended up 12 and one and they demolished Louisville. Like, let's say he beat him like 55, 10, just, just Jordan Travis is still there. He's running and throwing and doing his thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're 12 and one. Then Alabama wins. They're 13 and 0, but Milrow breaks his. I'm not, and I'm not saying it's going to happen. So don't, don't even say this. Milrow gets an injury that doesn't, is not going to allow him to play for a significant period of time. And they still win though. And they're 13 and 0. They win the SEC. And then it's like, hey, you've got Florida State. They play and they've won, they've won eight straight, you know, got a huge victory margin, best team, you know, one of the best teams in the country. And where you put them now? They're better than Alabama with a healthy, uh, Jordan Travis and you no know, Jalen Milrow, because I've seen Alabama's backup quarterback. That's a real thing. They backup quarterback, sorry. So I'm just saying <laughs> that in that same scenario, they would have said, well, if anybody can get it done as Nick Saban, if anybody can reverse the situation and, 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 and get a team competitive in, a, in three weeks, it's Saban. So to me, that's where the disservice really comes in, because you're basically saying that Mike Norvell can't get Tate Rodemaker in, into a place where he can be competitive and play a high at a high level, at least high enough level to compete in in three weeks. But you would have given the same; they would have given the benefit of the doubt to Saban. If you put, if you flip those scenarios, and a twelve and one Florida State team does not get in over a thirteen zero Alabama team, I don't care if I was playing quarterback. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, and that wouldn't be good at all, <laughs> at all. So I'm just saying that is really the, the the elephant in the room. Elephant, there you go. That wasn't and- planned. And that and that and that plays that plays a part into the whole business of it. Like Nick Saban, he he's turned that program into a powerhouse, and that is big business. I've heard someone say, "What do you think about this?" Someone said that if Deion Sanders was the coach at Florida State, then they probably wouldn't left left us out. You think you think that that I mean, changes anything? I mean, I mean, I, I mean that that there's something. Mike Norvell, like, let's because like because we, Dion is ratings. He proved that D, 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 at D, Colorado. Yes. I, now I don't. I mean, I'm not going to go against that statement for two reasons. One, um, Dion is there's a certain respect. Like Mike Norvell, he's a good coach. He really is. Uh, and like I said, I'm not going to say this too often, but he's an he's an excellent coach. But he's not, he's not Jim Harbaugh. He's not Nick Saban. And yeah. I want to say he's not Deion Sanders because he's he's better coach. He's 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 produced better than Deion Sanders. But what I'm saying is nobody he's looks at Mike Norvell knows who yeah, he is. Exactly. It's like even Steve Sarkeesian has more swag than Mike Norvell. Yeah. Mike Norvell is just like a regular. Mike Norvell could be your PE teacher. Like yeah. Mike Norvell came out and rolled the kickballs. It was like, all right, guys, time to play kickball. You be like, okay. Like yeah. he doesn't have like when you have Jim Harbaugh. And, and Mike, Nick Saban, two of the most irritating looking acting coaches, like that's ratings right there. Because people will be like, I don't know who I hate more, Jim Harbaugh or Nick Saban. Like flip a coin, but they're both <laughs> matching up. Somebody got to lose, right? So then, you know, I think that, you know, there is something to that. I think, I think all that. So I, th- I think, I think it just, like you said, came down to it was a business. And Alabama is college football, not even just SEC, Alabama is the face of college football. Nick Saban is the face of college football because college football is about the coach, not about the players. It's like the the NFL where you have like Mahomes or, you know, Jalen Hurts or somebody like quarterback is the face. In college, it's the coach. And, you know, at one point, Urban Meyer kind of had his name in there. He was winning at Florida. Then he went to Ohio State and won. He was kind of the face. Now Nick Saban is definitely the face. And, you know, if, if, you know, that's just kind of how it goes. It's it, it was, you know, what, what irked me the most was the entitlement of not just Alabama fans, but SEC fans. And 
entitlement isn't necessarily like this huge negative word because I think they've earned the right to be entitled, to be honest. I mean, the last, hell, decade and a half, nearly two decades, the SEC has done some big things. But, like, even before the Florida State game, like, because a lot of people saying, man, look how they played, look how they played. Even before the game even started, once Alabama won, hell, before Alabama even played, people were saying, man, if Alabama wins, they should be in the championship. So you're just going to ignore a 13 and 0, uh, a potential 13 and 0 conference champion. Like it's just that, that just that simple. The SEC is this, the SEC is that. I'm like, the ACC went six and four against the SEC this season. Flo- yes, Florida State yes, played. Yes. Florida State played two SEC teams and went two and zero this season, including L. Yep. I mean, including yep. LSU. Uh, the last time we won a championship was against an SEC team. You just spoke about how y'all spanked Florida back in 2000. Yeah. So it doesn't. Clemson, they shoot, they took care of Alabama a couple of times in the national yeah, championship. Yeah. So it's not you can't just say, well, if we let Florida State in, they're not going to do as well as Alabama because Alabama is SEC and and Florida State is ACC. They did the work. Um, my my final argument was this: the wins are supposed to matter. That's what's supposed to matter. The wins, and the reason I call Alabama entitled is because. They were making the argument that we should because they were they were they didn't think Texas was gonna get in. They a lot of them thought Florida State was automatically gonna get in too. They didn't think they thought the argument was between them and Texas. And they kept saying, Well, it doesn't matter that we lost to Texas head to head. If we beat Georgia, then that, we should still be keep, that, that was the most BS argument because like so, why 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 play head to so, head and have it not count? And so I'm like, okay, well then if that's the case. If you guys beat Georgia, couldn't an argument be made that Georgia can still be in over you guys? Because head to head doesn't matter, right? Exactly. Because so, I mean, here, here's the other thing that's I think a fallacy. Like, so the final rankings are Michigan one, Washington two, Texas three, Alabama four, Florida State five, Georgia six. To me, if they had really been grimy with the rankings, Florida State should have been six or possibly even seven. Because in my opinion, if you think they're not worthy of being in the playoff they're not better than georgia like i mean right. in my opinion like like, like and yeah. put them put them in if you put them in but otherwise it'd be like they're at they're at six because they're not really better on a neutral on a neutral field i, I mean even even with jordan travis i would say you know it would be a good game like it would be a pick them line but without jordan travis on a neutral field like yeah georgia's a, you know probably a double digit favorite and that's not an insult to florida state so that georgia's very good so i just feel like they just they just tried to make it cute, like, oh, we just left them out. We just had to leave them out because Jordan Travis. But really, it came down to, you know, the dirty politics of the money, too, right? Because yep. the SEC is also Big partners business. with ESPN, and they have the biggest money rights deal. And so it's almost like Texas was going to get in because they was like, you can't do it. We're about to come in. We're about to be brothers, right? We 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 about to be married, basically. Like, they're coming into the family. They're engaged to the SEC, and yeah. then you got the granddad and also it's like, guess who gets left out? The conference with the worst TV deal and the conference that's uh, accepting SMU, Cal, and Stanford into the conference. And Texas you know, has a bad loss. Texas lost to a team that lost at, to South at Alabama. Home, at, at home. They lost. Yeah. They lost. They, yeah, they. Anyway. Yeah, so, yeah, man, I, I, yeah, I don't want yeah, to get, I, I wanted to get you fired, <laughs> but I don't, I don't want you to lose any more sleep than you probably already have. But, um. <laughs> You it know, was I, it was tough the first two days. I'm not gonna lie, it was tough. It yeah. was tough. Yeah. Mm. Uh, all right, so 
This is a political show, but we did have to rant about uh, sports real quick. That was political. I want to say this last thing. If you don't think sports are political, you don't even know. Like maybe it's political like, maybe, to run DeSantis. Exactly. Maybe at the high school <laughs> level, it's yeah. not even there. But I'd say like maybe at the recreation level where I play with my, you know, my take my daughter like soccer and softball. But like once you get into high school, man, like all this stuff and, and, and any all you parents know who've had kids, raised kids, raising kids, it's like. There's there there is a navigation that has to be done. It's just like these coaches, these athletic directors, like they want to want to be gods the way they handle some things. I, that's a whole other show, a whole other time. But I'll yeah. just say that you know sports are inherently political, and they and they and they are a as my as my good friend Curtis said, they are kind of um, a microcosm of the tribalism that we have politically. You know, like. It's all good when it's my team, but it's all bad when it's your team. So de- definitely sports are political. Speaking of Alabama and Florida, um, I said, as I mentioned, we were recording on a Thursday and the previous night was the Republican uh, primary held in Alabama, Tuscaloosa, no less. And one of the candidates is uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Uh, so we're down to four. Well, I'm sorry, we're down to five. We have one that isn't participating in any of the debates. So only four are participating in the debates. Uh, former Governor Chris Christie, uh, current Florida Governor um, Ron DeSantis, former Governor Nikki Haley, and uh, I guess you call him an entrepreneur or whatever, yeah, businessman. Whatever. Yeah, Vivek Ramaswamy. Yeah. For, uh, before we even get into the debate, who out of those four or five? No, let's stick with the four because we pretty much said all we can about uh Trump. Yeah. Out of those four, who has, I guess, kind of not necessarily that you like, but who has stood out and made you say, whether negatively or positively, who is who has stood out out of those four that are left? Um, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna I'm not I'm gonna hedge and say two two people because. One, I'm surprised at Ron DeSantis. Like, he is really a goon. Like, I actually thought that at the beginning of this cycle, he had a legitimate chance to kind of take take Trump down, so to speak, at, at least be at his level. And he has just misstepped um, in his foreign policy, just in his general demeanor. Like, he doesn't have, he might be okay at governor, but he is he's kind of like, he doesn't have what it takes. He doesn't have whatever it is to be a president. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side of that, Nikki Haley has surprised me because I kind of thought she was wa- you know, washed up, used goods after kind of being the UN ambassador. I was like, under Trump, I was like, you're just a, she was kind of like wishy-washy at the end of the insurrection. Like, oh, well, and then she turned Barry. against him. Yeah. And yeah. so I was like, she whacked. But somehow, and I give her credit for this, she has become like the leading alternative they talk about you know the leading alternative you know to to pepsi is you know is is you know diet coke or something diet pepsi diet coke you know what i'm saying like she's become a leading alternative um in fact i listened to this piece on her um she's actually what they call now a faction candidate and a faction candidate and i didn't know this until today literally is a candidate that basically absorbs all of a party's constituents or you know people that all that 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 the basically are going against the front runner that you know they don't like the the direction that the front runner is going so there this this is somebody who embodies what the front runner doesn't um examples of 
faction candidates in the past on both sides would be something like, you know, John McCain, um, um, uh, what you would call it, Jesse Jackson, uh, um, Howard Dean, um, Kate John Kasich. Those are kind of guys that, but but the, I, th I think the issue with Nikki Haley is while she certainly has some interesting stances, even on abortion, where she kind of came out and said she's pro-life, but she doesn't believe in like killing. Nobody should be given the death penalty, which I agree with. Like I'm pro-life myself, but and I also don't think that I still think it's a choice. Like, I think there's a difference between like me being me, my stance being pro-life and people making the choice. Like people make bad choices every day. And 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 I don't necessarily have to adjudicate those. That's between them um and, and their and their, you know, loved ones, and they have to deal with that. And so I agree with some of her stances like that. Um, I also think that she is um in some ways, very, very conservative in foreign policy in a way that people are used to, which is, hey, we help out when we can. That's what America does. And I think even people who are Democrats are used to that kind of thinking where it's like, hey, we help out our allies, you know? And so she's not an isolationist in that regard. So she has a lot of things that I think moderates would be interested in. It's just that she, Trump is just hard. He just, I mean, he just got such a large lead. And so it's just like I do. I am impressed with where she's come from to kind of kind of be the second person in command. I always assume that would be DeSantis, but I still don't know that her case to be the nominee will be realized as long as Trump is able to run. So I, so if I had to pick who stood out to me, it would probably be, I guess, easily Vivek because I had no idea who he was before all of this started. But he hasn't stood out to me in a good way. Uh, he has a huge problem with saying things. And then when he's pressed on it later on, he says, I didn't say that. Like it, it happens so many times, even, even Sean Hannity got frustrated with him during an interview on Fox news. It's like, you, you, you did say it like it's, it's right here on video. It's like, no, no, they, they, they misconstrued my word. What do you mean? They, you said it. So he he's a clown to me, and and he's clearly not even running to win. He's he's running to show Trump that he would be a good cabinet member or VP, and he's just sucking up to Trump. He refuses to be remotely critical of Trump at all, and he's not running to win. Nikki Haley, uh, I do like some things about her. I don't. I'm I'm probably not as high on her as you are. I think she has the best answer to abortion for the Republican party, because that has dogged him ever since Roe v. Wade has been overturned. Like the whole red wave thing was non-existent in the midterms. And a lot of that had to do with abortion. I think she has the most reasonable best answer on the Republican side. When it comes to that Ron DeSantis is, is a clown. Not only that, he's, <laughs> he's, he's weak. He's, he's weak and he's phony. So, and, and, and I know he's weak because, he does whatever he can to try and prove to you that he's tough and that he'll stand up to you. Yet he there was there were so many questions at the debate last night that he just would not answer. He would give you this long, he he would do what I would do. I want to tell, listen, this is what I would do whenever I had an essay question on a test that I had no idea what the answer was. I would pretty much rewrite the question because usually the question would be about a paragraph long. So I would kind of rephrase the question and throw a whole bunch of mumbo jumbo in there and hope that the teacher was lazy enough that she was like, 
grading my paper towards the end of the night and was like, ah, uh, it looked like he knew what he's talking about and just mark it right when I didn't know what I was talking about. That's what he does on a lot of these questions. Simple questions like, would you send troops in to help Israel with Hamas? He could not say yes or no. He gave you this whole word salad about how America has to be tough and we need to support our allies and Hamas will want to kill us one day. Okay, but would you send troops in? America has to be tough. He's a coward. Okay, and, and that's that's all I have to say about him. May, coward may be too strong, but he's weak. He's weak to me. The person who I like the most doesn't have a shot. I mean, Trump has a huge lead over the second person. And this person is the last of the four, Chris Christie. And the reason I like him is because he said something so simple that I thought was so true. And it kind of touched on what Ron DeSantis, what I just said about Ron DeSantis. But Chris Christie called all of them out. He said one of the reasons Trump has a large lead is because these three people up here on stage are afraid to go after him. He's like, we spent 17 minutes at this debate and not one of them has said anything critical about Trump because they're scared of him. If you're going to be scared of Trump, then how are you going to face some of these dictators across the world, some of these rulers across the world? And it's true. They are so timid. Like, are you running to win or are you running to not piss off the leader? If you're running to not piss off the leader, then you're not running to win. We just talked about football for the first 20 minutes. If Florida State plays Miami, they can't play Miami not to piss them off. They got to play to win. Otherwise, there's no sense in even playing the game. And so that's what they're doing. They're all just running to hopefully not offend Trump and be in his cabinet or be his vice president. And it's it's just it's it's kind of a waste of time, the whole process that we're going through. Christie is the only one that's consistently calling out Trump. Now, you may say that's why he's losing, but they're all losing. So you may as well at least tell the truth about your competitor. And that's something they won't do. Yeah, I mean... I mean, I think I think at the end of the day, there's there's the problem that there's a math problem that they that they're dealing with when you're saying, okay, if Trump has forty percent of, you know, overall, right? He I think he has well over sixty percent of of registered Republicans who would vote for him. So, how do you beat that? How do you turn his supporters for you? And so, I guess they think the path least resistance is not by criticizing him, but I do think I agree with you that they need to, if you want to try to, because you really have to st take his supporters from him and, and you got to find a way to do that. And certainly not talking about him uh, doesn't seem to be helping. So. Yeah. So um, it, it was the, the debate was, it was okay. It, it was entertaining. I'll say that it was entertaining. I enjoy watching them try and answer questions and, and things like that. But until someone comes close to Trump, it's it's kind of a waste of time. Unless Iowa shakes things up and, you know, vote someone else to uh win the caucus come come January, then maybe you'll get some participation from uh Trump and we'll have a real race on our hands. But right now it's looking like a rematch of four years ago, which the majority of the country say they don't want, but it looks like that's what we're going to get. Yeah, you, yeah, well, they didn't want Golden State, uh, Cleveland, <laughs> Cleveland for four years in a row either, but they, <laughs> that's what it was. Yeah. 
So um the 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 other thing I want to talk about, we we kind of touched on uh Israel and um what's going on in, in Palestine, which has been very, very divisive. So I I admittedly I've always heard about Palestine and 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 Israel, but I've never really I just know that they didn't get along and they've been fighting for decades, some will even say centuries. I've never really paid attention to this, what happened on October 7th. And it's been so divisive, man. Like you got people who feel like, I think the consensus is what Hamas did for the most part, because you never get a hundred percent agreement on anything. But I think a good 90% of people believe what Hamas did was wrong. I think the nuance comes in, well, what about the things Israel has done to the people of Palestine? What about them living in an open prison and things like that? I'm bringing all of that up because the Senate is going to take on an immigration. They want to take on immigration. And they also want to fund the Ukraine and the, the, the current Ukraine-Russia war. And they want to fund Israel to help them continue to fight and eradicate Hamas. But you got Republicans that are saying that we are not going to pass any type of spending bill until we include something for the border and Democrats don't want that. So in my lifetime, since I've been paying attention, I, I feel like there have been like three huge fights when it comes to immigration and we never get a solution. It's like they fight, they fight, they fight, and then we get no illusion. The closest we came is under Obama when they did the whole the Dream Act, and he had to wind up executive ordering that, but and then Trump, of course, came in and undid that. But right now, the border crisis is getting out of hand. It's a concern for a lot of voters. So, where are you on? Should we? Should that be tied to our? To, should that be tied to our funding to Ukraine and Israel, or should our immigration be separate from the funding to those two wars? I'll be honest. I don't. I don't know why they they why why politics works this way, where it's like you have to. It is truly a series of compromises. Um, and I will say that those things to me aren't even related. So just just from a logical standpoint, I say no. You know, border funding is border funding, and foreign aid is foreign aid, right? Like they're two different yeah. things. And so to me that part of it how it's packaged up and it's, it's not the only example where this where this happens but just they it do it all the time make, it, it yeah. doesn't make sense i don't know why they have bills that do this it's almost like the disclaimer that you get when you take medicine you ever seen like commercials for like <laughs> um yeah, any of exactly. those medicines you can think of, they say side effects include night sweats you know they say it real values. fast too yeah they say it real <laughs> fast and say a lot of stuff you like damn this sound worse than if i just kept i'm just stick with the, the disease <laughs> You yeah. know, and, and you know, should you should you have shortness of breath or kidney failure, please call your doctor. It's like shit, you know, <laughs> like um, so I just think that um, you know, that that's what I hate about politics is that they're they're not in the business. You talk about business about you know sports, they're they're in the business of finding a way to be reelected, they're in the business of saying, Hey, guess what? We didn't allow we're, we're doing some border control. We didn't, we didn't allow any more money to go into it. So it's almost like they're using legislation to validate their campaign 
um, you know, later on or, or validate their reelection bid. And it's really sad because they're not governing. They're they're always kind of working towards it feels like a campaign pitch or campaign like bullet point. So, you know, on its face, I think we should do both things, handle both issues. Um, and, you know, I, I and then I want to say a little bit about Israel and Hamas. Israel's hands are a little bit dirtier than what people want to admit. I won't get into all of it because we don't have a million uh, a million hours to talk about it. But they they intelligence valid intelligence has come out that says they knew the attack was coming from Hamas, but they did not believe yes. that Hamas could do it. And to me, that's either two things: either they're very arrogant, or they wanted Hamas to do it so they could, as as the analogy uh, my friend said, "We'll let you punch us so we can shoot you." So it's mm-hmm. almost like now. You're, Hamas, and the other thing that's happening too is depending on who you listen to and how you listen to the news, Hamas is being synonymously used with Palestine. They're not the same things. Hamas is a, I wouldn't even call them a terrorist organization. They're, they're a rebel organization that is fighting for the freedom of, you know, Israel. And I think, I mean, excuse me, fighting for freedom from Palestine from, from Israel, being kind of imprisoned in that Gaza Strip, which is like, these people, I think people don't understand how bad it is for people in Palestine. They can't, they they get have to get permission to work. There's all these things that they they're 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 really in modern day kind of slavery slash prison. I know that and I'm not and I'm not at all comparing it to what we went through as black people, but I'm just saying like it's pretty horrific the way that they're um well yeah. Treated. How 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 much food, how much medicine yeah, and, and, they, and they you, control all of that. And when you look at the death tolls. There's always more civilians killed on the Palestinian side because they're just bombing indiscriminately. They're like, oh, it's very convenient. Say, oh, well, Hamas is hiding in hospitals. Let's bomb the whole hospital. Hamas is hiding in, you know, um, re- you know, re- uh, rescue trucks. Bomb that. Like, there are so many civilian areas that are targeted indiscriminately. It, it, it really, I, I know, I know, and, and, and I need, and, I'm, and y'all know, I believe in in the Lord Jesus Christ, right? And, and y'all know, y'all listen to shows if you haven't. I do. But I, I'm not with this whole, like, we stand by Israel. We stand, I stand personally with God's word. And so when, when it don't matter if Israel, whoever, there's, there's a faction of Israel that will eventually, like, right, convert and believe, grafted back into the branch um, of Jesus Christ. But there's a lot of Israelites who are just riding that name and they're doing what's wrong. Like, and we don't need to stand with that kind of, you know, extermination of a, of a people just because we, we want, and we want to fulfill some end time prophecies. Like, I'll say it like this never support evil or the wrong thing to to have a to have a biblical prophecy come true like there's people that's kind of like oh well i don't care is you know it's kind of getting close to i'm reading revelation and this is kind of the end times bro the people are dying like you you want to you you don't be worried about seeing jesus worry about the people that need help like pray for those people that that are being slaughtered like the, the, indif- the indifference we have is disgusting in this country both of these situation. Both of these wars have been uh they they have affected Biden in a negative way because in each war you got half of the country nearly that's against it. So with Ukraine, people on the right, conservatives, Republicans have been a little reluctant on 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 funding that because they feel like Ukraine and the and the president of Ukraine are corrupt. We shouldn't be sending money to them, this, that, and the other. Then you got this uh, this Palestine Israel thing, and you got people on the left 
that are demanding that we stop sending money to Israel because they feel like we are funding, we are funding extermination, as you put it, in, in Palestine, and we shouldn't. They feel like Israel's committing war crimes. So both wars are like just dragging the president's numbers down. He has a 37% approval rating right now. So the, these are things that are going to come up in the election. They are not going away. And it's just, it's, it's, you know, when you're a kid or when you're young, even you don't pay attention to this stuff. It's crazy how all of this stuff affects us here because America has its hands in so many different pots and we, we try to be the world's police and it, it all affects us. It is affecting this election and it's affecting, it's, it's driving all of these protests on different college campuses, on Capitol Hill, uh, across the country. And it's just been, I don't want to say fascinating because there's so much tragedy behind uh, both wars, but it's just been, it's been unbelievable just to watch how the actions of Hamas on October 7th is driving the political debate here. And it's even so much as they feel like uh, Iran is 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 helping fund Hamas, and Iran is sneaking terrorists through the southern border. They're blaming fentanyl on the southern border. They're blaming. They're saying Chinese is sneak like so. Immigration is important because they feel like so many different bad things are happening on that southern border, and they're all tying it in into these two wars, and it's. It's ridiculous, like you said, but it's also like it's almost unbelievable to just really watch how these different parts affect one another, man. Definitely. So been going for a while, man. It was good to get back up with you again. Um, what else do you have before we before we tip on out of here, man, and 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 let the listeners know what to I guess look out for that we didn't necessarily touch on, but just some things that they can uh, kind of watch out for that may or may not happen in the upcoming uh, months. And and we got an election year coming up, 2024. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the big one. So what, what can we look for? Man, I, I just think, first of all, just thank everyone for listening. You can, like I said, su- subscribe, iTunes, Podbean, uh, Spotify, all, all image podcast platforms. You know, I miss, you know, doing the show. I know that we've been doing other things, but, you know, this was a show just for me um, that gave me so much insight. And I was always grateful that Byron had so many wonderful guests, you know, like I was just always very fortunate to be able to be on the show and just share my my thoughts and my opinions. So it was, it was, it's just great to be back. Um, You know, I would just say that, man, as we end another year, just, just be more grateful. Um, and this is also speaking to myself on this, but just being more grateful because it's hard out there and there's a lot of things happening. And we're, if you're listening to this show, probably you're very blessed. You're probably way more fortunate than most people in the world. And I know there's always problems, you know, marriages aren't perfect, kids aren't perfect, but jobs certainly aren't perfect. But there's a lot that we have to be thankful for and a lot that, you know, even in, even through challenges, we're we're able to overcome and get better, and and to not run from those challenges and realize that, you know, there's probably a lot more that that we could be doing, and we need to lean into all that you know potential that is in us 
and not let another year go by where you're just kind of saying, well, maybe next year I'll do this. Or, you know, I would just say this, whatever you're planning to do, do it now. You know, whether it's traveling, whether it's, you know, renewing your vows, like whatever it is, like, don't wait another, don't wait another time. Just, just do it, whatever you're thinking about. Um, and obviously I'm speaking of being responsible, right? Don't go and put $10,000 on FanDuel, right? On the game. But I'm <laughs> saying like things you've been thinking and dreaming of planning to do, don't let another year go by um, waiting for it to be the perfect time. It will never be the perfect time to step out on faith and do what you know you're supposed to be doing. So you know what that is. This is just confirmation for you. And this isn't even a word. See, people are always looking for a word, but really the word's already in you. You're just looking for confirmation. This is your confirmation. You know, go ahead and do it. So two things I'll, I'll hit on with. One, when you mentioned uh, renewing vows, that is something I remember from 2022. I uh, participated in uh, one of the co-hosts of my other podcast. I do Three Brothers No Sense, shameless plug. But um, Ferg, Tavares Ferguson, he renewed his vows. And I, um, shoot, I didn't forgot that. I, I officiated. Um, and I... Um, by all accounts, man, I did a great job, but that was fun to be a part of, man. I was uh, proud to be a part of that, and that was a great occasion. The other thing I want to mention, man, uh, Showflex, uh, we mentioned the candidates that are, are debating on the Republican side. We actually had one of the candidates on this show twice, Senator Tim Scott, man. He just recently uh, dropped out, uh senator from South Carolina. So, you know, we actually had a presidential candidate on this show, go back and check out those two episodes. We talk, we also had more recent than him, uh, Senator Langford from Oklahoma. We had former Senator Heidi Heitkamp. Man, we we we've been doing our thing on this little show, man. So look, check us out. We haven't been active in a while, but check out some of the past episodes. We've had some. I would say for our stature, we've had some fairly big guests. Uh, so yeah, check out the past episodes and. You know, who knows, may get this thing going again more frequently and try to get some big guests on. But I hope you enjoy it. Make sure you subscribe so when we do drop a new episode, you don't miss it. Any podcast platform, check us out. I shamelessly plug my uh, show, Three Brothers No Sense. Frank, let them know the other shows they can catch you on real quick. Sure. Um, we're on Relative Currency. Visit RelativeCurrency.com. Subscribe to the newsletter. Get a free wealth building guide, which I'm sure you'll enjoy. You can also check out Relative Currency on iTunes, Podbean, all of the major podcast platforms. We are a financial podcast, uh, kind of, how would you say the tagline is um, financial, um, I can't remember that tagline, but just listen to the show because it's really good. We hit a lot of stuff on finances. So that's it. The show, more flexing, Zaza Ali. Uh, Tim Wise. I mean, just I'm telling you, man, just check out our old episodes. Uh, but thank y'all guys for listening, man. Take care. Thank you for listening to Politically Entertaining. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes and visit politicallyentertaining.com for the latest in political news and updates. Thank you.